feels like spring like might actually stick this time after all the times it's teased me so far this year. Yes, fake spring is real and it, it needs to stop playing games because I'm like, I just want it to be warm. <laughs> and uh, I know now that I've had my gutters cleaned, it's never going to rain again. Like we, we've had so much rain. It's been so like sporadic and inconsistent. And now that I've done that, I'm like, I know, I know it's never going to happen again now. <laughs> All that work for what? For what? We, I feel like have gotten this past week was like a little bit of rain. It was like really hot and then it was rain. I'm like, I'm over the April showers. Let's go to Mayflowers and call it a day. Let's do this. So it's great to uh, be talking with you. Are you going to be at Tableau Conference in about a month? Uh, I am not. I wish. The story was, I literally told myself, I was like, I don't care if my company doesn't pay for it. I'm saving up enough money for Tableau Conference. Like, I'm going to be there. I like made a promise to Priya. We had a whole thing. And then Beyonce went on tour and I was like, Beyonce or Tableau Conference. <laughs> and so the Tableau Conference Fund went to Beyonce. Uh, but hopefully, yeah, I don't know. Next year, I, I don't think my company this year can send us. Uh, so retweet if you cried. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you're, you're hardly alone. I think a lot of people have experienced cuts in that area, not just like in terms of like uh, conference stuff, but travel in general. I know where I work. We had uh, some travel restrictions capped on. So basically international travel was shut down and then much more sort of um, dialed back with like domestic travel. So um, I'm I'm footing my own bill outside of uh, the ticket, which I get as being a conference speaker. Um, so they'll they'll float you the conference ticket, but you still got to fly yourself in. You got to, you know, you got to find a place to live for, for right. a week. But, you know. <laughs> It's uh, it's not nothing, but it's definitely a big help. But yeah, it's I think, unfortunately, with sort of like the global economic state and, you know, uh, honestly, the late announcement of the conference, if they'd gotten it out there earlier, yeah. more people would have, you know, had time to factor it into the budgets. Yes. No, that's so real. I am like a, a pro. I'm not going to say free because, you know, like we're in a capitalistic society, but I think we should have different levels for TC, like maybe the little early career, the student discount, a little something like luckily we're ambassadors and you're conference speakers. So we get a little, you know, a little something, but it still is like super expensive. And I mean, we're even privileged enough to be in the U.S. Let me, I'll, yeah, I'll pour one true. out for the international folks because uh, you guys, yeah. <laughs> Well, for them, even if uh, even if you had the money on hand, it's like they have to it, the complications of international travel. You know, some of them have to do with visas and stuff entering. And it's like if there's not enough time, it's just not happening. Exactly. Uh, it, it's crazy. I I think we're in a recession. I wasn't here in 2008. Well, no, I was here. Whoa, I was here in 2008. <laughs> but I, I didn't like live there. You know, like my parents like, oh, you know, like the recession. Da, da, da. But it's definitely really interesting just to see how the world is changing, the economy is changing, like business, how that impacts, you know, the world. So we're, we're living in some crazy times, but day by day. Sure are. But hey, it's great to be talking to you. Like it's it's nice to be able to connect with friends, even if you're not able to see them like face to face. And I know we've never done this before. So it's really cool because like that's one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast in the first place, because yes. you have these fun conversations when you just run into people that you don't like have through, you know, any real means of social media, because that's just like blasting texts into the ether. And, you know, there's no context sometimes. And, you know, sometimes there's no tone, you know, but like yes. at least with something like this, um, we're able to look each other in the eyes and like know who we're talking to. So that's yes. something, right? 
Yes. No, I, I love it so much. I think, like, obviously, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. And it's really nice to kind of see the person behind the Twitter account. People, like, talk to me sometimes. They're like, oh, like, exactly. Like, you're exactly how you come, you come across on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, probably, like, a little bit more. Like, the way that I tweet is the way that I talk. But it's so nice to have that face-to-face interaction really like understand like I don't know someone's background where they come from so I I, I love this and I, I love podcasts and just like hearing people's stories and this is honestly making my Monday so thank you for being a little bright spot in the day <laughs> well it's fun for me too like it's it's fun to be able to have these conversations because it, unlike working in an office once you're working full remote like I do unless you go out of your way to have these conversations they're not going to just happen um yeah. you know I used to be able to swivel around to my buddy David Kelly uh, and be, we would have like some data conversations and now you know he uh, he's sometimes in the office sometimes at home you know sometimes we go on walks but I don't see him regularly and I, there's not yeah. like an extensive Memphis data community I mean this isn't uh, Ohio where apparently everyone uh you know the data fam <laughs> uh, comes from. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's really fun. So um, like what what drives you? So like I, I was looking at your portfolio and stuff, and it's one of those things where like you're one of the people that kind of comes in and out of my circles and social media. And that's just the obnoxious part about social media, where it's like yeah. you're sort of just you're going to get what you get. And if you interact with someone, they're like, we're going to give you 10 times more of that. So it makes yes. it really difficult to stay in touch with larger circles as well as to discover like new people. And you're you're not like a new person. You're obviously we've both been around a while, but like I see you're you're really into like uh, community projects and stuff. Is that like an intentional thing or is it just something like, oh, man, cool new data set. I'm going to hit this. Yeah, no, that's so funny because I also feel like my algorithm has changed over time. Like before I was like, OK, I'm seeing you know, the content I want to see and everything. And now it's like going and I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, I would say I follow other stuff on Twitter, but it's just like sometimes I'm like, what, like where, where is this coming from? Um, and I think when I first joined the community, it's funny you say I'm not new because I'm still like, oh, I've only been here. What? Oh, it's been three years now. So maybe I'm not new. But I think when I first initially joined, I didn't know anything about the community. And I was like, community projects. I like this because it's low effort. I'm so lazy. Like, I don't want to do my data prep like I don't want to, I just want to visualize my data which now like obviously in my work I've learned how to like do the back end stuff a little bit which is good um but I was like this is pretty like low stakes let me kind of figure out like what's going on I think for me community projects when I first started was really good because there's something for everyone I think initially everyone starts out with makeover Monday you know and it's good because you have different topics so I would find myself learning things that I would just talk about like in my personal life like because there would just be the most random topics like oh what are the top exports for like Britain in 2020 I don't know 2020 I just like random stuff like that um so it was part me getting to learn new things but also improve my data skills and then I think probably once I started to really like get into the community and kind of find the stuff that I was a little bit more interested in I kind of pulled away from community projects and started more doing I call it like just random things that I'm interested in. Like if I'm talking with my friends and we start talking about know, random topics, like dating, for example, that's not like a community project, but I was just like, oh, I talk about this with my friends all the time. And I'm curious about like what the numbers are behind my dating life. So I think it, it kind of blossomed from, okay, I'm just going to do whatever I see in the community to, I kind of want to like more do some self-quantified um type of type of data viz but I, I think I, I do I still do love community projects I will say I now that I've started working and like doing Tableau development work I do less community projects and 
I don't know if that's because, well, no, I think a lot of people in the community, like they do Tableau as their day job. And there is something different between building a business dashboard and doing community project. Like those two things are different, but something about it makes me want to more do like creative, expressive things rather than like, oh, maybe I like want to learn how to build a parameter. And I think that comes with also experience, but long story short, I do love community projects, but now I think I do more just random stuff about my life that I want to visualize. I, I don't think that's atypical, like maybe not necessarily like the per, the like the quantified self, which is what you're you're sort of into right now. But I think um, community projects are really great for introducing people to the idea like, hey, you don't just have to do the stuff you do at work. But then at a certain yes. point, a lot of people either, you know, branch out, uh, start creating their own stuff. Some people create their own community projects. We've seen like a sort of advent of a lot of new community projects like Games Night Biz and stuff like that, yes. where people are like, hey, I have particular topics that I really enjoy. I don't see a lot of those coming up in some of the other things. I'll make my own thing. And I think it's great. It's very entrepreneurial and there's no real like yes. boundaries. Like anyone can go make whatever. Um, all you got to do is do it. Um, so, you know, in other cases like you and me, I think um, you're doing a lot more of stuff that's just like, hey, I have this idea. I'm going to go make it. And that's that's most of my things. Like I just have a random thought and it's like, what if I did this? And then I run off and do it. And yes. uh, it's just more convenient for me that way. You know, it's I've, I've told people like, I sort of have like a three hour cap on most of my projects where it's a self-imposed where I said, if this thing's going to take this long, I know I'm going to lose interest at some point. And it, there's like a break even point for me. And three hours is sort of the for the kind of stuff I would like to do most of the time the the max on that. Wait, so you're telling me some of the visualizations that you've created have been in less than three hours? Uh, almost all of them. Oh my gosh, what? That's insane. Zach, okay. What? I've seen your portfolio less than three hours. That's less than a movie. Well, like a long movie, like Creed or something. What? But which Creed? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the Creed movies, by the way. No, me uh, too. I just got into it, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah, like the, the Rocky Cinematic Universe is the best cinematic universe with the exception of Rocky Five, which is terrible. Okay, wait. Don't roast me, but I've never seen... The Rocky films? Yeah. I just oh okay. <laughs> I mean, now look, I you're you're a bit younger than me. I'm not surprised by this, but like <laughs> the Rocky films, I will say this: like everyone holds up Rocky Four as like the best, and it's where he fights Ooh, okay. I, Ivan Drago, the the big Russian guy. Yes, um, and it's like that's it. It's really not the best. Like ever, everyone feels like it's the best because it made them feel like good inside. But uh -huh. like Rocky One was the best Rocky, and it's it's he's the same character that you see in the creed movies and the okay. thing that's great about rocky is that he's like he's very unassuming like he's not the sharpest guy he's got a good heart and he's hardworking, and he gets this opportunity and it's that the creed story with like adonis creed is really interesting because he you know was grew up in like the foster system and everything he mm -hmm. was adopted and sort of you know, inherited like this kingdom and everything but he wants to do it for himself and that's why he goes and seeks out rocky because Rocky and his dad were rivals who became friends. And, you know, Rocky sort of has that spirit of like, hey, he came from nothing and, you know, built himself up. And that's what uh, Adonis Creed wants to do, too. And I'm like, that's really cool. Yes. No, I am. Well, I won't say I'm not like into boxing, but I was like, OK, Michael B. Jordan is in Creed. Uh, I got to see it. And then I was like, wow, wait, no, this is like really good. So I actually could see myself watching the Rocky films now um, while we're on this topic really quick. John Wick, like, what is the hype of John Wick? Because I, I don't know what number they're at, 
And I know you've like had some business about what's what's the hype around it. Like, should I get into it? I mean, it's I I think they're a lot of fun. John Wick Four is probably still in theaters. It's been out for about a month. Um, so okay. the the John Wick franchise. Uh, the reason I think people love John Wick is. In an era where you've got like Marvel movies and stuff like that, where they're all about special effects. And, and for so many Marvel movies, they actually create the special effects sequences before there's even a script. So like, OK, in this scene, there's a, a big <laughs> sequence, uh, Black Widow's falling from a plane and there's going to be stuff and we'll write the rest of them. Like that, there are so many um, video production wow. houses that they're constructing these CGI sequences and then like essentially shaping the rest of the story around them. Um, there, wow. there's stuff where like in the last Avengers movies, they had like those time travel suits or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. the toys of those were entirely different because they changed the designs like five times during production. Like they finalized them like two months out before release. So it's like all that stuff is sort of shifting. It's all ethereal. None of it's real. And the great thing about John Wick is it's directed by Keanu Reeves, stuntman from the matrix. Like, so oh, wow. it's, uh, it's, a, it's movies set around stunt people and physical stunts and stuff. And while obviously there's a lot of stuff that's not real, um, they, they the focus is let's try to do as much of this, like in camera as possible. And that's why it's exciting to watch. Cause it feels like the stakes are higher, but beyond that, it's, uh, I don't know, like this isn't a spoiler, <laughs> but in the first movie, it's, he's like you don't know who he is like he's just a normal guy whose wife is dying of cancer oh, and she gosh. passes away and when after she dies she has a puppy delivered to the house and it's like i didn't want to leave you without something to love so he you just see you find this character as this like this broken down husband who's feeling alone yeah. all he's got is this puppy and he's got like a classic car and he has a run-in with like some young Ro Russian gangsters who uh, want his car. He says it's not for sale, so they break into his house, steal the car, and kill his dog. Oh my god! <laughs> and the what? and you're like, yeah, it's it's traumatic. It's traumatic. And like I, I I when I saw the first one, I was like, oh my goodness, what is this movie? And then he goes down to his basement with a sledgehammer and breaks open the floor where there's an entire arsenal because. John Wick was the like deadliest assassin in the New York like crime scene and Whoa. had and had retired and sort of put that life behind him but now he has nothing to lose and all he wants is to like go after the people responsible. Wow. That was a really good pitch if it was a pitch i don't know i i feel like i want to watch the movie now okay well it's fun and it's like there there is a there is a certain element of like there's there's ridiculousness to the john wick series and that like it starts off grounded like that and then within the first movie before you're even an hour in they start throwing twists at you like wait what this is a little silly but it's like the silliness is is all baked in and it's all part of it and you'll know after like my wife does not like violent movies like at all okay. and uh, i was like I think you have to see this movie like this movie's crazy when the first one came out. And I'm like, mind you, you're going to hate the first 15 minutes. Like this is going to be punishing. But right. after that, anything he does, you're going to be down for. And like my <laughs> wife, like, you know, a tiny little five foot like blonde attorney lady. She's like, I like his efficiency. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was her, it was her idea to see John Wick three on our anniversary. Like, so she, wow. Like, yeah, wow, it comes out the same day as our anniversary. You know, we're gonna go see it, right? I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes, we are. 
So yeah, they're, oh they're fun, they're crazy, and they, each with each movie, the sort of world that it's set in keeps getting bigger and bigger. So you have to have reasons for Keanu Reeves to keep like you know coming back beyond the fact that his dog was killed, and you know they <laughs> yes. they give you some compelling reasons, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's crazy. Okay, okay, John Wick. I'm gonna add it to the Netflix wherever it is. I I feel like I actually want to watch it now. So John Wick, Rocky, and then we'll we'll take it from there. You know, I will I will say like this is a quickly becoming a movie podcast, but another movie people <laughs> sleep on and I'm not saying Rambo movies are good because Rambo okay. is people think about Rambo and they think of the stereotypical 80s sort of like meathead, um, like machine gun toting blockbuster thriller. And the first Rambo was nothing like any of those. Like the first Rambo was literally about like just a guy who's a normal looking dude before Stallone was like all giant and shredded and, and lumpy and weird. And he's a he's like a recent Vietnam vet, like he's returned and he's sort of hitchhiking across America and he comes to this small town where like the sheriff and the deputies like, you know, just beat up on him like that. This this guy who already has like PTSD, like they no. decide they're going to like abuse this guy and like he loses it and just like, you know, he fights off the deputies and goes on the run and it becomes like a manhunt with like this entire small town sheriff's department going after this veteran. And it's like, it's, it's not what you think about way. Like if you've ever pictured Rambo in your head, you're thinking like the red bandana and like machine guns at both <laughs> hands. And it's like the first movie is anything but that it's, it's basically like America's response to Vietnam veterans. I am not going to hold you. I have never heard of this movie Rambo, but I, <laughs> there's <laughs> like, like six Rambos. Of- like they, he didn't stop. Like he did three of them. And, oh, and in the third Rambo, it's like, it's set in the middle East and it's like Rambo is allying with the Taliban. It was, like in the late 80s or whatever and it's like yeah we found these freedom fighters the taliban were working with and it's like that's not gonna age well (laughs) oh my gosh wow i feel like i'm in uh what's that movie back to the future like they go back yeah that's that's what i feel like i'm in right now wow rambo okay never today i learned because honestly never heard of it before but you know what Well, now you know. Well, I mean, Sylvester Stallone's known primarily for two things, and that's Rocky and Rambo. And the thing he never gets enough credit for is writing, because he did write like the first, like at least the first two Creed movies. Like those, those were yeah. So Ryan Coogler directed those, but these are all Stallone productions. So like most of the movies that come out surrounding him are things that he has had a hand in. So like he wrote the original Rocky and all that, and. Yeah, it's like he he's a really good writer, which is not belied by the fact that he sort of has this like mumbling like oh, delivery. Like yeah. you, you listen to him and you like people judge him by the way he sounds versus, you know, the performances and what he creates. Talent like that's just immense amount of talent. Sheesh. I mean, he prints wow. money. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. If only sometimes I think about like what it would be like to be, I I think some people are like naturally born talented, like actors, singers. I'm like, what if I just like one day woke up and I was like, wow, like I'm talented, you know, life would be crazy, but (laughs) it's like how in, you know, in the the mid two thousands or Matthew McConaughey suddenly remembered that he knew how to act after years of not (laughs) acting. He's like, what if instead (laughs) <laughs> I like I was a good actor yeah he just did that and then you know it's it's so I like I see him and he's in like these super serious prestige dramas I'm like you're that guy from surfer dude like <laughs> you do realize like I've seen you before and like I <laughs> like there was just a some extra gear you didn't know you had and it's all of a sudden like I'm just gonna be good now 
And before <laughs> I wasn't good. I'm cracking up on the impression because I was spot on. Like, I mean, it's if you want to do McConaughey, you do like Bill Clinton and you just dial it back half a notch. Like, Bill Clinton's kind of like McConaughey's kind of like this. <laughs> like sometimes I sit in the I back think seat this should of my be Lincoln. A spinoff. <laughs> you know, it's like he did those Lincoln commercials and he doesn't even drive the car. Yes, like, yes, yes. It's like yes. to sit here and I'm wearing a suit. And it's like, what is this? Like, and, and like ad experts are like, oh, those were the best ads. Like, I don't understand <laughs> advertising at all, clearly. Oh, Matthew, Matthew. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Favorite film. He was a star in that. He was a star. Okay. I'll, I'll look, I'm with you here. I love that movie. I think it's a fun movie. The ad campaign, frost yourself. I'm like, yeah. that was the like, I'm like, you could have done two more passes in the writer's room. Like, this is like I'm listening to this, and it's like, that's great. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, this yeah. Like, this is this is like what Brown can do for you. Like when UPS did that. Like, no one in the room oh raised their gosh. hand and said, everyone's gonna think of poop if our, our motto is see what Brown can do for you. Like, right. that's the first thing any human thinks of. Yeah, they dropped the ball on that one. I <laughs> I, uh, oh my gosh. I used to work at St. Jude for like 13 years. So I was in ALSAC, which is the marketing and uh, promotion. So you all the fundraising happens there. The hospital just does medicine. But I remember one day uh, I came to work and I shouldn't have come to work. I, I was sick. And this is before oh. COVID, before like that was heretical. So I, I came in and I decided, you know, I'm going to take some daytime cold and I'm just going to like gut it through the day. And I get invited to a meeting called Signature Test Meeting. And I have no idea what that means. So I'm in this this meeting and there's probably a dozen people and we're all sitting like in this little meeting room uh, around a conference table. And it turns out so we do a lot of mail pieces and uh, sometimes on those mail pieces, they have them written as if they're written by like Marlo Thomas, for example, who is sort of Danny Thomas's daughter. And, you know, she's an actress and stuff. I now I expect you not to know Marlo Thomas because I was going to say, yeah, that. you're going to have to give you a little okay. Wikipedia. <laughs> you know what? It's like, seriously, she was in a show called That Girl in the 1960s. So no, no reasonable person knows Marlo Thomas. But um, the gist of it is Marlo Thomas, um, you know, is the daughter of the founder of ALSAC, uh, Danny Thomas, who was also an actor back in the day. Um, and uh there's letters written in Marlowe voice, which means we have someone that writes as if she's writing them. Just think of like how like a grandma would write with like lots of like ellipses and random bolded <laughs> yeah. words and exclamation points. And a lot of sort of the elder donors uh, really like connected with these. And many of them believe that Marlowe was actually writing them, which is crazy. Okay. Um, so uh, the, they're, they're talking about all this in this meeting about, you know, we've got these letters in Marlowe voice and everything. And we're, we're looking uh, to test a replacement because Marlowe is going to retire at some point. And like I'm saying this meeting and they're saying, well, you know, should we have Rick Shadiak or CEO do it? Or should we have Emily Callahan, the chief uh, marketing officer? And they're listing all these names that literally no one outside of that building knows. So it's <laughs> like if, if you're sitting there and it's like you work there, it's like, yeah, I'm familiar with all these people. But like right. if you send this to any civilian, they're like, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything to me. And um you know, again, I've taken cold medicine at work, which is inadvisable and no one should do this. Uh, so my filters were like way down and um, I'm pulling out my phone, you know, as they're talking about Marla Thomas retiring and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, Marla Thomas is 81 years old. Um, Marlo's going to retire from life. You did and not say that. I did say that. And I, and I, I went on to say, uh, because I like that, like it was, wisdom was flowing. Uh, wisdom was flowing. And, Reckless. and, and I said, 
And I understand that the reason we're concerned about this is because that we're worried we're going to lose money when Marlo passes away. Uh, we're going to make so much money when Marlo passes away because obviously like Marlo is highly associated with this charity. So when she passes away, people are going to like have an outpouring of generosity as a result ah. of this. And in terms of who should you replace her signature with? I think it's obvious when you see things signed by the Walt Disney company, do you see Bob Iger's signature on it? No, you see Walt Disney. We put Danny Thomas's signature on everything. And then I got up and I left early. Um, which also is My not, job. which is also not something I would do <laughs> under normal circumstances. Now, mind you, people did come up and say, you know, that was a good point about such and such, or we should test, you know, Dan, that they yeah. never did any of that. But like at the time, it, um, I don't know, it, it felt good to probably not receive whatever like <laughs> negative aspects of my leaving early from that beating I should have deserved. But yeah, the moral of the story is like cold medicine. What? <laughs> Don't take it at work. <laughs> I mean, my wife like took Ambien for a while and it was crazy. Like because she would like for the last you know 45 minutes she was awake. She never remembered any of it the next day. Really? None of it. So like Ambien, I, I took it once when I was in grad school. I had an insomnia and a friend gave it to me and she said a half hour before you go to sleep, take this and then you'll sleep through the night. And she's like a nurse. Like, I'm like, great. So uh, I'm sitting <laughs> in my, my one bedroom apartment. Literally, it's like the living room and the bedroom, but there's just a threshold. There's not even a hallway. Yes. I took you. it. And then I remember getting tired. I remember standing up. And then at 3 a.m., I wake up just laying on the floor, like in the <laughs> threshold, the doorway. Like, I just laid down to go to sleep on the floor. And I oh wish, it, I mean, my wife had a coworker who lived like downtown. And we have the Mississippi River downtown. Uh, he lived in one of the, the condos down there. And one night, he wakes up the next morning with bags full of DVD box sets from a Walmart in Arkansas. Like, he had gotten what? up, driven across <laughs> state lines, like, crossed the river, like going over there and it's the thing with ambient is like you're not sleepwalking you're awake but it's almost like you've i don't know messed up your own memory like you don't remember like Whoa. people wake up in ditches and car accidents after having taken ambient and stuff um yeah wow wait so you like don't remember like what happened it's just you don't. So like when my wife, oh. when I realized she wouldn't remember stuff, I would like before going to bed, I'm like, OK, I'm going to say something to you. <laughs> like, I'm going to say this and I'm going to ask you if you remember it in the morning. OK, she's like, yeah, OK, you know, in the morning, I'm like, do you remember this? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you remember what TV we watched last night? Like, nope. I'm like, we watched TV for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> This is 50 first dates, but obviously not for the whole entire life. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's without Rob Schneider and Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. That's medication talk. Yeah, I have no background in healthcare. I mean, my parents work in healthcare, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me tell you, you're not missing anything here. The moral of the story, kids, is Ambien, uh, it makes you do crazy things. So lock yourself pre up preemptively like a wolf man and uh, never take cold medicine at work. Noted. And that's, yeah, that's on like today I learned. This is just, honestly, when I go to trivia next week, I think if any of these questions are like a topic, I'm going to kill it. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's I so far I've been talking. So let me ask you this. You've been doing quantified stuff, right? So you're looking at your 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 dating life. Yeah. Like, what are you learning about yourself by doing quantified self looking at looking at yourself by the numbers? Like, are you yeah. surprising yourself at all? 
No, honestly, I learned so much about myself that I didn't realize that I was doing. Because I think like our generation is very into like, oh, the swipes and, you know, you're like going back and forth. And so there is an aspect of that that I don't want to say like dehumanizes, but sometimes you just kind of like, like I've seen people kind of do it like it's a game. And so you don't actually realize when you're doing it in real time that like you may have certain, I guess, biases or like trends. And so when I like put all that together, I was like, wow, like I'm only kind of seeing people from like the tech industry. Like, why is that? Like, I don't always want to talk about work. Like maybe I could like see someone who's a teacher or something. So for me, it was more like I had these biases that I didn't know that I had. And I was like, I don't like that. I want to open my horizon up. And one of those biases was actually like age. I was like, I will not date someone who's younger than me. And I was like, you know what? Let's give it a try. And it turned out well. So I think honestly, it changed my mindset to be more data-driven for lack of better terms. Um, and I think like, obviously like in my work life, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm data-driven. Like I, I do that. But in my personal life, being able to aggregate all those numbers, but also see like the individual details, I was like, okay, going into this year, this is what I don't want to do again. This is what we're going to improve upon. And this is kind of what we want that goal to be. And I think looking at that, like analyzing that data told me a lot. Um, I didn't like the story, but it was accurate. Like it was right. So yeah. I think that's really cool. I think we all, I think we all have stories of ourselves, our families, like whatever, you know? And I think I was thinking about that the other day and th this is going to get a little metaphysical here, but like when you I think about it. like, you know, people's stories, like if you read a biography and stuff, it's all really linear and like none of our actual realities are like that at all like yes if you actually wrote the story of your life so much of it would just be like non sequiturs and just like a lot of time watching tv you know they're just like <laughs> a lot of stuff that's why no one like on tv ever watches tv because you'd be like mm. what is this like why are you and, and it would immediately break you out of it because like wow like that's what i'm doing with my life but it's yes. they're actually all have interesting hobbies and are doing stuff and having relationships and, and you know a lot of our time is like weird downtime and administrative stuff and washing dishes you know yes and that reminds me of that one viz oh my gosh what was it it was like the time of our lot it wasn't called the time of our lives but you know what i'm talking about it's like this circle yeah. and it shows like the breakdown of like how much time you like spend on certain things and it's like I know whenever I see something like that, it just really puts things into perspective. Like, okay, today's Monday and I wish it was Friday, but like at the end of the day, like every day counts, even the little things that you do kind of just like can be really special moments. So those little things kind of make me like be grateful for every day, even if it's like a crappy day. Um, but yeah, perspective is, is, is interesting. I think it's a really healthy mindset. I have this weird thing where I'm always just wanting stuff to be over. So like really? even if it's something I'm looking forward to, I'm just like, oh. so Tableau Conference is coming up. I'm speaking at yes. Tableau Conference. I have always wanted to speak at Tableau Conference. This is like a bucket list item for me. Okay. Yes. So this is this is a major achievement. Having said that, now that I know it's coming, now that I've prepared my deck, now that I've practiced, now that I'm thinking about it, I just want to be done. Even though I know I'm going to enjoy it, even though yeah. that I know it's going to be special, as the time gets closer, I'm going to want it to be done. Like we had a uh, a church crawfish boil a month ago. It's one of my Ooh. favorite things we do every year. I get to you know see a lot of friends and family and stuff and get together and we do this. It's a lot of fun. In the middle of it, I'm like, I've been here an hour and a half. Like let's let's wrap this up. Like let's get this going. And it's I it's it's a character flaw. I don't know what it is with me. Like maybe I'm just uh, uncomfortable. Uh, you know, being in one thing for too long. I wish I understood. But yeah, it's like 
I, I'm like, oh. come on, let's let's hurry along to the next thing. Like, let's. Uh, so, do you ADHD. feel like you enjoy the lead up more, like to te- like all this like prep and it's like TC isn't here, but like, do you enjoy the journey more than like, okay, we're here, destination? That's a great question. Uh, sometimes, in some ways, so with TC and stuff, particularly like this year, you know, uh, uh, arranging my own plane travel and stuff like that. I get a lot of anxiety around travel. And I think mm. like when you say that people are like, oh, you know, plane travel is really safe. It's it's not, it has nothing to do with that. Like I'm unconcerned with the plane crashing. It's, I, <laughs> I think like I am used to such a degree of control and dominion over my life. I mean, I work from home now. Like what is beyond my control? Like if I want, you know, music or TV on in the background, if I want to go eat something, I can do that. But like, when, when you do air travel, you are giving up so much of your autonomy to yes. something that barely even works in the first place. And I don't mean like planes don't fly. I mean, like the reservation systems. I mean, the yep. TSA, like I get detained pretty regularly. <laughs> I mean, like what? <laughs> yeah, it's I, I it's uh, I remember on my honeymoon with my wife, like I get detained. They put me inside a glass box and they're patting me down. And she's literally on the other side of the glass box, like pointing and laughing at me. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's uh, uh, now I have um, TSA pre-check, which we'll see oh. how, how that works out. I've used it once so far. It's pretty great. I got to say, you know, going going back to like early 2000s when you didn't have to take off your shoes or pull out a laptop like that's it's pretty nice. Wow. Those have been the heydays. No, honestly, like. <laughs> I mean, it, it really was like I remember uh, traveling in the 90s and stuff. Uh, I would travel like uh, to see my grandparents or something. I remember once I accidentally took a stapler from my grandmother's like and it was in like my my uh, like my carry on <laughs> bag. And I think that just breezed right through security. Like now, nowadays, it's like they always I like to follow the TSA Twitter accounts because they they think a lot of stuff is funny. That's not funny to anyone else. So they're like, oh look my at all these water bottles you idiots had to throw away. <laughs> Don't bring water bottles. And I'm just like, this is why no one likes you. <laughs> they also <laughs> like to post pictures of all the weapons people try to smuggle through. Like, look inside this. Like they'll crack open a laptop. Like the physical laptop, like someone had right. hit like a throwing knife inside a laptop. Oh my gosh. And I'm just like, I'm fascinated by the whole thing because it's like, under what situation was this person going to get out like a Torx head screwdriver, flip open a laptop, spend 10 minutes undoing <laughs> all the structural screws, and pull out a single throwing knife? Like, you're going to draw <laughs> a lot of attention to yourself long before that thing ever gets out. Right. <laughs> You thought you were gonna get away with it, like it was not at all discreet. That's actually insane. But um, congrats on Tableau Conference. That's amazing. I honestly wish I was going. I want someone to like live stream it the entire time. Uh, maybe a little like you do on Discord or like YouTube. I don't know. I, I I hope this year the hybrid or I don't even know if we're doing it online, but I hope there's something for us folks that aren't gonna be in Vegas um, to kind of at least get a little some some so well you know they're they're saying some of it's going to be streaming on salesforce's platform so we'll see uh which portions because i remember last year uh they did a hybrid but a lot of the community sessions weren't streamed so i know for me like i missed out on maybe two-thirds of the sessions i was really looking forward to so yes. that was a bummer for me um so i understand i hope uh this year they they have more of that and it, honestly if uh if will perkins is any indication mark benioff has a lot of great things he wants to say to the data fam uh because yes. will is now besties with mark um having 
uh, been to a uh, what I like a gala with him with Mark Cuban and Jewel. I um, read that and I, I had to read it twice. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's so, so, so cool. So, yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense that uh, Mark would reach out to him and try to connect with him because when we did sort of have the uh, like, I, I don't know, like the data fam uh, Twitter explosion like three months ago, back when the layoffs happened across Salesforce and Tableau, mm-hmm. Whip was kind of at the front, like handing out torches. Um, not to say there weren't a lot of people that were, were frustrated. And it was like a lot of things coming to a head at once. Obviously, no yeah. one was thrilled about the layoffs, but it all felt like, hey, we've We've come, we've voiced a lot of concerns. We've been listened to, but we haven't felt heard. You know, Tableau conference was announced and you you hacked a day off of it. It's been cut down from three to two. So a lot of indications were people felt like, Hey, is all this winding down, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the rumblings internally, you know, because because everyone here you know sees the direct messages and stuff like that, people are a little more candid there than they are in what they actually post. Everyone's like, "This yeah. is the last Tableau conference. Like they're <laughs> definitely killing this off. We're going to be rolled into Dreamforce or something." So, Will being uh, as as vocal and as aggressive as he can be, um, and sort of serving as a figurehead for that movement, it makes a lot of sense that you know Benny Alfred would like to talk to him personally. And it sounds like they really hit it off. So I take that as a good sign. I always take everything with a grain of salt. And I recognize that, yes. you know, anyone that is the uh, president and CEO of a fortune 500 company has much greater loyalties than to me. Um, you know, so try to, to have realistic expectations there, you know? Yes. No, that's valid. I think it's been an interesting few months and not by like, like not by on purpose I will every so often take like a social media break because sometimes it's just like a lot and the last time that I did it it was like around like everything that was going on so I like was off for a few weeks I come back and I was like oh my gosh like what just happened um and it was a lot of like just a lot going on and I don't know I'm probably cautiously optimistic a little too much some would say uh but I like actually do believe that our communities have like a lot of synergies and I think that, like, you having, like, Sharifa on the podcast and things like that, like, I'm excited about things like that. I do feel like we really haven't been listened to, but, you know, we also have been. So I, I think, like, there's a lot of different things that are being juggled and a lot of people that are doing things and some people who could be doing some more things. And it's it's, it's a complicated dynamic. Um, but I, the one thing that I do know that, like, we can control is, like, the community and how we react. And I think, like, as a whole we should try our best to like keep it in a respectful manner while still like obviously expressing our feelings. Um, But I say a lot to say like, yes, I hope that we have more conversations that are like real and authentic and we don't lose the Tableau community or Tableau conference because we will, they, you guys, you hear it first. Like you cannot end Tableau conference before I go like, and hopefully that's next year, but we need it to be a thing um, for at least the next 10 years. So I, I couldn't it. agree more. And I, you know, I, I will admit that sometimes some of my reactions, it's very easy sometimes to just feel before you think and respond, you know, in a vacuum. And wow. I mean, look, social media is rife with that. Like we've seen lots yes. of <laughs> crazed hot takes from all like from every point of view, you know, and yeah. it's very easy to do that and not take into account that there's humans on the other side of every single thing you're saying yeah, that exactly. were this being said to you or about you you know it would be uh it it could be devastating or it could be you know really mess i mean i i tell a story um early on in my data career i uh when i back when i was in it before i got into data actually i had a boss who uh 
he called me into his office for a one-on-one and he told me, you know, I don't find you interesting. And people that oh my don't think are interesting usually don't go anywhere. And I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that kind of threw me for like three years. You know, it's yeah. Um, oh. it be, And I was my bosses were turning over like every year or two. So this was like my third boss in three years or something. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, to, to hear that it's like, well, what do you, what do you want from me that, you know, it's, it really lowers your opinion and expectations of yourself. It's like, yeah. well, I, uh, I guess I'm not going to impress you. So I I'm just going to underperform. Like, what do you want from me then? Um, and I can see that, you know, particularly when people are, or working hard to try to make stuff happen. So like Tableau conference isn't, you know, the act of like a couple individuals, it's hundreds, if not thousands trying to put this stuff on. And there's a lot of moving parts. Like it's a lot more complicated back when it just used to be Tableau. Now that it's Salesforce uh, run, you know, runs everything. It's like, it's a much bigger organization. They do a lot of conferences every year. They're probably always planning two conferences ahead. Um, yeah. And there's, uh, you know, honestly, still a lot of cultural uh, difference between Salesforce, uh, you know, the sort of community and Tableau community. We've got a lot of similar values, like we're both tech mm -hmm. communities. People are really passionate about the stuff they like. But at the same time, like, we're not really like down with the furries and stuff like yeah, they've yeah. got the mascots <laughs> and everything and sort of the forest settings. And that hasn't really vibed with the people that were already here. Now, mind you, in five years, that might be incidental because there's going to be lots of people that sort of come on. And that's the way it will have always been for them. Um, and that's not right or wrong. It's just different. And, uh, you know, for people that were used to maybe Tableau and Tableau conference existing a little differently than it does now, you know, uh, yeah. it can be hard to adjust sometimes. It can be like, well, yeah, this isn't like my thing. Um, mm, but, no, you know, definitely. it's uh, I get that. Like we, we all sort of get comfortable with the stuff that we like and we never want it to change, you know, like. Star Wars yes. is very different from when I was a kid. Um, and I like some of it and I don't like a lot of it, but that's okay because mm -hmm. it didn't ruin the stuff I liked. And at the end of the day, a lot of the people I like are still here. We're all still doing a lot of projects we like. And regardless of whether there is a Astro wearing a leather jacket at the conference, I'm gonna, you know, see the people that I'm looking forward to seeing and you know, make connections. Mic drop. That was it right there. That was, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that was beautifully said. Um, the people is really like, I just, I, well, okay, the sessions, the ones that won't be live streamed, like, I wish I could go and like see that, but it's really the people, like, I would go to have a conference with the people. Like, I, I think I'd just be overjoyed to meet some of the people that I've been building these connections with for three plus years. Like, I was trying to explain this to my parents when I went to London uh last fall for I mean, what was it called for the little like user group or mini like tableau conference that they had in europe mom was like why are you going to london like you don't even know these people and i was like i've been building these connections for three years like it's so crazy to explain to other people but i feel like for some of these people that i've literally never met in person it's like oh my god like we have this connection we have this friendship built off of tableau like a, a software and i think it's like so insane to think of just like especially now like me three years ago was like me now professionally like it's been insane but also just like personally and I think it's just like I know the magic of the community so I just appreciate it and it's just reminding me like why I really want to go to TC to like just thank people um for all they've like contributed to the community in my personal and professional life I mean mic drop also like I I, I agree with that 100 and I think one of the great things about the community is that everyone sort of finds sort of like 
everyone's got like a cohort almost like the kind of people that you were coming up with and it's like oh man you started around the same time as me you know yeah you remember like the early projects you were all doing and how you would share with each other and collaborate and get feedback and that sort of thing and it's one of those things i when i started this podcast i wanted it to sort of just be representative of the community as a whole um because i know sometimes it's really easy to sort of chase the people at the very top because that gets Mm -hmm. more like hits right like more people are interested when there's someone that that they've heard of uh, on before um but i sort of intentionally started with people that were sort of like friends and peers and that i knew um but the thing is like because i've been doing this like three and a half years now so many of my friends and peers like became visionaries and ambassadors and and stuff like that so it kind of, uh, it required me to be more conscious of that and not just feature people that I had known for a while because they were now sort of becoming some of the people that other people looked up to. And I wanted to, you know, represent a wide swath. I also wanted to represent like stories that fall outside of, you know, the Tableau folks. I wanted to talk to data journalists. I wanted to, I wanted to explore storytelling uh, at a bigger thing. And like with my public work, I try to make stuff that like, maybe my parents could understand or like mm. uh, other random folks. One of the crowning achievements of my data stuff, it's not even like my stuff getting a lot of shares or anything. Some stuff does, yeah. most stuff doesn't. But um, I had seen John Wick 4 and I was like, oh, wow, I'd really like to make a viz on this. But with the other movies, I had to watch them and like hand record <laughs> notes for every time yes. John Wick like threw an axe <laughs> at somebody or something. And it's like, this one's going to be impossible because the stunts are crazy in this one. And so I just posted, does anyone know more any of these script supervisors that worked on the movie? Like it would be like, I'll have to talk with one of them. Like, and I'm, I'm sort of throwing this out tongue, tongue in cheek, but also like real, realistically, it's never going to happen unless I do this. And right. uh, Luigi is like, oh, you might want to talk to this dude. Like he, uh, you know, he has, he knows some people in Hollywood and I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, I, I just go and I realize he has a YouTube channel and um, it's Chris Gore. He used to be on G4, I think the game uh, network. And now he does like independent stuff, but he has like a video podcast. And on this video podcast, he and his partner were actually looking at I had done like uh, a Marvel analysis. I posted to Twitter about like what movies make money for them. And yes. coincidentally, in the middle of this podcast, I just clicked the middle of an episode because like I wanted to know like what what they talk about and everything. So I, I can approach him like I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Wait, that's my thing. Like they're talking no about way. Pirate, it was like the most surreal because I just picked oh a gosh. random episode. I knew nothing about any of this. I'm like, holy cow, like you're talking about my and like they're using it to actually conduct real analysis. Like these are civilians. These are not data folks. But they're because instead of making a like a dashboard, I had posted the charts in a thread. So it's like for each chart, I made my observations about it and everything. And they were working their way down the thread, talking about each chart. And like they were getting it, they were understanding it, and they were con- like conducting their own analysis. And I was like, holy cow, like that's the dream. Like, yes, like, is <laughs> using my stuff. Like, yes, what? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, that's so amazing. I'm, I'm like shook. That's, yeah, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I, I mean, I was, it's, it's like beyond like, I've gotten to have some neat conversations with people. I've gotten to meet some cool people and everything, but just the fact that it just in the wild without me sort of pushing this on anyone or anything, yes. someone was looking at this and, you know, they're like, well, I'm not sure if I agree with some of these numbers. I'm like, that's okay. Like, you're right. like, <laughs> you're really like, I got it from Wikipedia. You know, it's like, it's probably wrong. Everything right. else there is. Um, but, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it was really cool because that's that's kind of the dream. Like I love yes. community and I love data folks uh, making stuff, 
Uh, but like, I don't want to make stuff like for the data folks. Like, obviously, mm. like anytime we make stuff, we can all appreciate it. And we all got, yes. you know, we all have our observations that we might take from it or our critiques that we might have, or hmm, how would I do that? Um, but like, I want to make stuff that like other people like get into, because I think there's just, I don't know. I, I love, I love it. I love, I love storytelling. I love data visualization. And anytime we can take something that, you know, most people, it's like when, yeah, there's like Hannah Fry, the British mathematician and everything. Yes. And like, if she can make math interesting and fun for people, like that's, that's really thrilling for her. So if I can take this thing that most people are terrified of because they're imagining uh, ex endless Excel spreadsheets, like if I could take that and actually make something that made someone curious or taught them something like that's, you know, that's the dream. Yes, 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 yes. Times a thousand. I have never had an experience like that, but like I'll sometimes post some of my public work like on my Instagram where it's like my friends, some of my friends don't know what Tableau is, but other, other others of them will be like, oh my God, so if I, like someone mentioned Tableau at work and I thought of you and I'm like, oh, but like every so often someone will like see like a viz or something and they'll be like, wait, like what is this? Like what's Tableau? And that is like the most exciting thing because I, I could get like viz of the day, but like honestly the the aspect of like normal people outside of the data world like getting excited about this stuff like wanting to become like data literate and like understand that's like that gets me so hyped up and my friends like they joke about it. they're like oh like she's like the tableau girl and i'm like yeah yeah like come talk to me about tableau like we can go to brunch but i'm probably going to be talking about tableau like i i think there's so much opportunity and even just like outside of tableau to like really make an impact on the world and I think like pop culture doing through like this is that you make and stuff like that like that's such a a beautiful just like connection and I know that it also gets me super hyped because I I just love seeing it spread like outside of our community I mean it's it's the best I mean it's it's the best high because like you know I I've gotten some like awards and accolades and stuff like that and you know, you feel some of them, others you don't. And then after a while, like, like I said, like me just having that, like, can I just get through this? Like, um, I never actually feel like I deserve anything. So a lot of times stuff doesn't mean anything. But at the same time, I'm also that person where some, not all the time, but sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, I really wish I got to do that. Like, it's really cool mm. that they got to. But then if it were me, I'd just be like, I just want to get through this. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, I, I recognize that I am a, um, a collection of contradictions. And at the same time, <laughs> I, I also, you know, while sometimes I'll be like, oh, they got to do that. That's cool. I wish I did. I, I am also the person that uh, has intentionally tried to retrain my brain so that I can be happy for other people. Because I know growing up, like for the longest time, like seriously, until like now, like with some of my my um, my Tableau stuff, like I really felt like much of a winner in life. Like my, really? I've had a lot. Oh, no. It's like um, like when I graduated from college and grad school, I was I went immediately from two bachelors and a master's to six months of unemployment, uh, burning through my savings and depression. So it's like, and then starting off at the very bottom of the career ladder. So I've been working my way out of sort of that hole ever since then. And uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, like I was telling you about that early boss who, you know, was like, I don't really think you're very good. You know, um, mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, can, I don't know, it, it adds up after a while. And it's with all that, it's you're not used to getting any form of like a win. You're not used to mm -hmm. feeling like any of the stuff you make matters. And then you might hit a point where, you know, something changes and either you change and you're doing something different or your environment changes and your stuff is appreciated more. And you don't really, you're maybe your brain can't catch up. It's like, yeah, you know, they talk about like your brain wiring is sort of set at a certain point. Like both yes. my girls are dyslexic. 
And that wiring is just part of their brain. Their brain mm -hmm. literally functions differently than sort of a more typical brain. And it's like, there's no untangling that. They're, they're dyslexic and they will always be dyslexic, but that doesn't mean they have not learned how to read. They just had to learn differently. So for me, yes. I'm trying to unlearn or at least be wary of when my brain is telling me, yeah, but nothing you've ever done is really a big deal. And it's, mm. a, but to me, it may not be. Like if someone else feels like it is, I have to sort of adjust myself and not minimize that and take it from them, which is a weird thing for me because I don't feel special. Like, I don't feel like I, I particularly make anything special, but if someone else is like, Hey, this really helps me out. I'm like, okay, thank you. Like, you know, acknowledging that and, and not taking something away from them because of my own discomfort. Zach. Wow. I, <laughs> you're, you're just that getting everything like... today, right? No, it's honestly, but it's so good because I feel like a lot of these things like aren't, aren't talked about. And I'll say like, I think growing up, like my mom did a really good job, job of just like instilling in me, like, I don't know, the values to make me feel like I was always the best, even when I like maybe wasn't. And even with that, though, like I'll come in and like, even when, when I do something right, like when I, when something good happens, I'm like, oh no, like it, it can't be like, it's definitely not me. Like if, some, if it happens to someone else, I'm like, yes, go you. But then when it's me, I'm like, nope. Like literally a few weeks ago, I was having one-on-one -on -one with my boss and he's like, I have some news. And I was literally like, oh my God, I'm about to get fired. Like, this is it. This is the end. And he goes, no, you're getting promoted. And I was like, no way. Like, I just couldn't believe it. And I think that rewiring of how you kind of perceive yourself and, what you've accomplished is so hard because number one, like, even if you are told that stuff, it, it's hard because I don't know, at least for me, like from my perspective, it's like in the industry, like I go to work and there aren't that many people that look like me. So it's like, okay, like, did I just kind of like land on this? Like, is this, is this real? Um, and then like in your case, if people are like kind of putting you down and saying all these negative things, like all that adds up and you start to believe it when it's not in reality true. So that unlearning process is so real um imposter syndrome is real like it's not an overnight fix I'm saying this now but I definitely still like doubt myself probably every day um but I think we kind of get closer to hopefully that more positive mindset the more we talk about it and kind of try to like fight it um yeah. and like me like I when you said you don't see your work as being special I'm like what the heck so I, I think also kind of having that outside perspective and hearing what others think of your work can start to kind of chip away at that negative like self-talk that negative mindset so all i'm saying is i feel you i i see you i hear you it's real but um yeah maybe one day it'll 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 be a little bit better <laughs> for us well congratulations on the promotion for one thank so, you and also <laughs> i i feel that so deeply like whenever i have a one-on-one -on, -one on my calendar like i i had so many years where i was conditioned to one-on-one -on -one sort of being like sort of like an inquisition or here's where 12 new tasks come flying at you or that sort of thing. So like my, my manager is like, awesome. Like we, we have really productive one-on-ones, but still I see one-on-one -on -one and like sort of the hair on the back of my neck goes up. And it's like so many of those like learned behaviors. Like we have a, uh, a cat. Oh, actually we have several cats because my family won't <laughs> stop adopting cats. I've never picked <laughs> a single animal that lives in my house. Like oh my we God. have four cats and a fish and I I've never gotten any say in any of this, but like we've got this, the, the youngest one is apparently like a barn cat or like Aww. he grew up on the streets or whatever. And he's very skittish. Like, even though we got him when he was really young for those first sort of foundational months for him, there was so much of like, Hey, you got to keep your eyes out, you know, 
things might be out to get you and stuff. So now, like, if he sees me walking towards him, he always sort of cowers and runs. Like, I've never done a thing to him. Because... But it's like, in the same way, like, that can that can happen to people, both personally and professionally. Like, our past yes. experiences very much influence our reactions to things. And I think I've used this example I've talked about, like, before, um, like, growing up with my dad. My dad's like, stop wasting money on, like, DVDs and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying, like, I bought a ton of DVDs. Like, if I bought, like... <laughs> two dvds a year he's like you're wasting your money Um, (laughs) and it's like the unhealthy response to that would be like well now i'm on my own i've got money and i'm buying every dvd (laughs) i can like it's like we sort of like in some level we feel like that's the right thing to do what's like i'm gonna get fine it's right you know but it's like that's that's also not like the healthy and mature response either it's like yes. the, the healthy, mature response is the most difficult one to get to. And I doubt most of us ever get there. And that is to take time and deal with both of those ideas. Like, I like DVDs. Yes. My dad said not to do this. What should I do? Like, as a reasonable person that wants yes. to like have healthy habits and a good life, that would be, oh, well, I could probably d- buy DVDs sometimes and it's not a big deal as opposed to my reaction to this would be or like, uh, let's say you grew up in a home where like your parents put a lot of weird energy around food or something. You might mm-hmm. either become like, um, you know, bulimic or something where you're just not, not eating anything or you might yes. just like anytime food is around because you felt really insecure, eat as much of it as you can, because mm-hmm. that those are sort of what was sort of brought into you. And the, the better response, uh, which... So many people have problems with food on all levels, which is why we're also fat in America. But yeah, um, honestly, <laughs> would, would be like, you know, I should probably be careful about what I eat and not indulge too much. And, you know, it's OK to have a treat every now and then, you know, but it's like yeah. those are the hardest things to get to. Like the the more yes. realistic, nuanced, like healthy behaviors um, versus the, you know, sort of responding to some past wound, you know? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's I feel so attacked because as well, not literally me, but when I was like growing up, my mom would be like, you can go to one concert a year. Of course, like I wasn't working. So that was like very generous of them to like allow me to go to one concert, like them paying for it. And I was like, oh my God, like this is so unfair. Like, why do you hate me? And so now like I, this month I've probably been to like five concerts and I was like, wow, like I'm going to a lot of concerts. Like maybe I need to like tone it down, but it's like on that spectrum. Like now I need to catch up for all the concerts I missed in the five years or whatever. Um, So yeah, no, I think that's like, yeah. that just called me out. It's very true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's very easy to do that. It's also, it's it's most easy to not even know you're doing it. Yes. You know, it's so, so many of our responses, like I've seen so many people that are, that, that can be angry in response to someone else. And you're not even responding to that person. Yes. You're responding yes. to how someone else talked to you or how someone else treated you or how you were raised or what someone else said. And that's what's boiling under the surface when you have this interaction. And if you'd like maybe taken a 10 count or something, or, you know, especially if it's like an email or something like that, something where you don't even have have to have a face-to-face interaction, like, you know what, I'm going to take a cooling off period. And I'm going to think about how best to respond to this. Because so many of the things we do, like, you know, it's, it's just sort of like, you can have this psychic violence against other people unintentionally, just because you know, you're reeling from something and you're just kind of like spreading that around. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I I sort of never begrudge anyone like the hurt they have because we've all got something like varying degrees, right? Like some people, it's obviously far worse, uh, far worse experience than others. But it's like when when people sort of feel like free to inflict that upon others, that's kind of where I'm like, you know, we're all allowed to feel what we feel, but you're not allowed to like 
just attack other people with it. Exactly. You know? Preach. Preach. Oh my gosh. I, this like, what you just said, I'm going to literally play this to my friend because we were just like having this conversation and I was like, I feel like you kind of react to certain situations. Like you don't kind of take a second to, you just like react. And they're like, no, like I really want to improve upon it. We're having like this whole conversation. And like, it's literally like what you just said, like, oh my gosh, this, this past weekend, like was really fun for me. We're celebrating your friend's birthday. Like my college friends were visiting, went to like a concert and it was this weird, I'm, I'm, this is going to all tie together. I had this weird sense of like nostalgia, but like just one of those moments when everything is like, oh my God, this is so good. Like this is perfect. And they like hit rarely, but you know, like the moment that you're in right now is going to be like a really good memory. And I just had like this entire like podcast. I'm like, this is going to be a really good memory. Like something just hit like really good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I know that yeah. made sense. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. It's like, I'm, I'm having a really good experience. And I think a lot of this, it's hard for me, as, you know, doing this podcast and everything, because I don't actively think of it as a podcast while I'm doing it. Because if I did, mm -hmm. I feel like I would probably have to put on like more of a host persona. <laughs> I got quite, you know, it's like, yeah. I, would feel, I would feel like I'm putting on a show and I'm really trying to just have conversations and connect with people. But I realize in doing that, a lot of times I've only got so much scope of knowledge. I only have so many stories and I'm going to tell yeah. some of those five, seven, 12 times. <laughs> so like, there's going to be stuff when I talk about the Cobra effect and people are like, oh God, he's talking about that again. And I'm like, look, sorry. Like I'm, imagine being, imagine being married to me. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> But like, I, I like this and it's the same reason I like that uh, Tristan has made network diagrams so simple in Tableau now, because yes. for me, I was thinking about this maybe a year ago and I was talking with uh, CJ Mays and I was saying like, when's the last time you looked at a data visit and you like really, really felt something like emotional, like an emotional response? Because so many times we're looking at it, like, oh, that's interesting or that's neat. Yeah. But so many times, even if it's like a tragic topic or something, we're kind of like, oh, you know, and then it's, it's yeah. you know, but I can't that's remember fair. like... Like when I look at art and I feel something mm -hmm. like we talk about date art, but I often don't feel anything from like date art. I'm like, that's interesting. You know, it looks cool. But it's like if you go to the art museum or something or I went to a MoMA back in the the fall and I went with that Miko. That was fun. Oh, and, that's uh, fun. Yeah, I, I have a, a picture of him uh, behind Dear Data. We they had uh, actual postcards from Dear Data. Yes. There, and he's uh, like Waldo in the background behind them. <laughs> uh, but like. I think about that and I was like, what what would it be like if we could create data visit actually made you feel something or actually made you feel connected to others? And like, that's why like the network diagrams, like as they suddenly became so much easier, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a gateway because so much of like what I would want to do with data viz is make people feel like, like perspective and connection and like, and belonging so like you know doing stuff like showing the global population but showing it as a network diagram which isn't as effective because you know you can yeah. just show bars and be like oh, this one's way way bigger right but like <laughs> showing it like interconnected it's like oh hey like we forget that you know we're all living on the same planet it's very easy to feel distant and remote from others or yes. you know creating things where it's showing the connections between characters or ideas or even you know Taco Bell ingredients or whatever. Yeah, because it's it's one of the hardest things to visualize. It's very yes. difficult to understand relationships. Uh, I tried making a family tree out of modern family. It was disastrous. It turns out family trees are already kind of <laughs> perfect, but I had to try it to, to, to know otherwise. But yes. yeah, it's it's that they are just a really effective chart for like connecting. And it's like I'm looking for this those perfect topics that sort of make us like feel small but also make us feel like mighty in the sense that we're all connected to something else and something bigger you know 
That's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like it needs to go on like a, I don't know, like a, like a mural or something. Like I, I would see that in New York on a, on a painting. Like so it would be like graffiti, like that last, oh my gosh. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and see, this, I, this way you don't take cold medicine at work. <laughs> I mean, but, you're going to have to like mute my laugh whenever, when you post this, it's just going to be obnoxiously like loud in the background. Oh gosh. I mean, to be fair, everything I said was accurate and right. It probably just could have been done way more tactfully. So I think that's the <laughs> message. It's not it's not like I get more brilliant. It's just I care less what the response will be. So I, I think that's the. I mean, which is honestly the opposite as if I if we were like, you know, if we both had a drink or something right now. Yeah. Like, when that happens, <laughs> I just think everyone's my best friend. Like. <laughs> No one actually becomes my best friend. I just right. think everyone likes me way more than they actually do. Um, and, and I mean, seriously, it takes like one drink. I'm like, hey, you know, like <laughs> I remember my wife worked at this law firm and there was a retired general that worked there, General Harvey. And uh, I would see him at like when they would do like firm dinners or whatever. And it was terrible. Like every, we had to wear suits and everyone would act overly formal. All the wives seemed to like me, like the older ladies, like they wanted to hang out with me and play cards. But like General Harvey was always really friendly to me. And I'm like, yeah, General Harvey's the best. And Tiffany's like, yeah, he likes you, you know. <laughs> but, you know, to, to me, you know, General Harvey's my bud. He's like my oh, boy. besties. You guys, right? yeah, like, you guys are like this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that's a uh, moral of that story. Uh, anyway, this has become rambling and long. Um, let's close this before this gets more awkward, shall we? <laughs> Okay, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> so to that right. end, where can people find you and what would you like to shout out? Yes. Okay, people can find me on Twitter at Dadazif. That's D-A-T-A-D-Z-I-F on Top of Public, LinkedIn, Ziffa, Maxo. Probably the only one in New York, so it shouldn't be that hard to find. I really want to plug, if you are in New York City, I'm now co-leading the New York City uh, user group. So if you are in the area, or even if you're not, you can join us virtually. And the other thing that I want to plug um, is, I'm not going to be at TC this year, but there are a few, I think they're called like meetups that are around different like belonging groups. There's one for Data Pride, Communidados. There's also one for Black professionals working with Tableau. So I just like to plug that um, and stay tuned for some other stuff that could be going towards that. And yeah, I, I, I just honestly want to spread some good vibes. And I hope that whoever's listening to this, like has a really good day and you maybe get a laugh or two. Cause I, I was cackling the entire time. So that's all for me. That's fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Everyone check out uh, those upcoming events. Uh, New York tub is tug is great. Uh, make sure to check that out and go and volunteer to present as well. Deepa, yes. thanks for coming on. I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Me too. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. 
You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you could get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one you won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.